can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. Do you know what might be nice for um, today is that we could do our 2021 yearly horoscopes. Oh, yes. What are you, what's your star sign? Mine's Aquarius. This is, this is the, let's, let's just do the romantic horoscope. You okay. are likely to find your life partner. Further, huh. the year 2021 may bring some exciting surprises for you. From the middle of the year, there is a high probability that you may come across some important person in your personal life. The emotional connection with this new person shall sow the seeds of romance and love. You may soon be connected to a romantic relationship with this special person. Oh, okay. So I need to leave the house. Wait, gradually <laughs> the two of you may even decide to settle down in a permanent relationship of marriage. Wow. Okay, oh, that's pretty intense. Let that me... is intense. What's yours? <laughs> What's happening to Sagittarius? Um, this may be a year in which you may face many ups and downs. Oh, well, I've had enough ups and downs. <laughs> no. Uh, why can't I have the love of my life like you? I mean, I don't think it's going to happen for me, and I believe in horoscopes. Actually, but. sorry, I think I found a better one. This is on Bustle. Yeah. This is this is for me. This is set to be a busy, exciting year when it comes to communication, Sag. You're learning to be more present and pay attention to the people, situations, and things in your immediate environment. Also finding opportunities to connect and network come more easily. So this year could be filled with new friendships. Oh, my God, no. I don't need any more <laughs> friends. I need more sex. <laughs> Just keep Googling Sagittarius horoscopes. Oh 2021 eventually they're definitely <laughs> telling me that i'm not this is not my year for romance that's basically what it's saying yeah oh, all right well it's another slow year for hannah yeah that's all right it keeps it interesting that's why the podcast continues <laughs> at least it's been a fast summer yeah. in byron and then i'll be back in melbourne and it'll be slow again yeah exactly all right what's well, on today's episode on today's episode we are talking to karen who actually works in our team um we're talking to her about hair loss. Then we're speaking to Dr. Hope Din from Hope Dermatology in Melbourne about rosé, no, eczema. (laughs) And then, of course, the products we didn't know we needed. I wonder, Joanna and Karen, Mm. should I introduce our guest today um, with the story of how we met? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I had believed, Karen, jump in with like any any of your (laughs) views on this. Um, I had like met this a man that I had thought I'd met in like synchronous um, circumstances, which means like meaningful. I was convinced that he was her soulmate. She, yeah, so Joe jo was convinced he was my soulmate. And anyway, I was at an event one night and I was at on this table. I was chatting to this girl and she was like, oh, I work at this place. And I was like, oh, my God, your, her boss was the guy that Joe thinks is my soulmate. Anyway, she said to me at the table, my friend Karen is interviewing <laughs> with you tomorrow to start working like for a job at a door. 
So anyway, we actually think that he wasn't my soulmate. Karen and I were just meant to meet. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Because <laughs> it didn't end up eventuating. So that's the only other logical ex- <laughs> explanation. As you can all um, imagine, our team is very spiritual. We do tarot readings all the time. So we find a lot of meaning in, you know, yeah our interactions with each other. Anyway, Karen, welcome <laughs> to our team. Tell us a bit about yourself. Thank you. Yeah, so my name's Karen. I am the copywriter at Adore Beauty and I started in March. Right before COVID hit. So yes. basically <laughs> she met us in the office and then we never saw her again. Yeah, <laughs> I came in once. <laughs> um, but Karen, you wrote a piece for us about an experience that you've had over you know a period of time and it was around female hair loss. And it's something that doesn't really get spoken about outside of postpartum hair loss. And you got so much feedback from writing that article that we thought we have to get you on to talk about it on the podcast because our audience that reads Beauty IQ might be a little bit different to our audience who listens to the podcast. So we want to make sure that everyone hears this story because it got so much feedback and we were like, we just, we have to have you talk about it. So can you tell us what your experience has been like? Please regurgitate that article (laughs) again, but in verbal form. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I was overwhelmed by the amount of messages that I got from women my age that were experiencing the same thing. Um, Yes, I was diagnosed with female pattern baldness when I was 28. Uh, It started sort of when I was 25. I was noticing quite a bit of shedding, but I didn't really think much of it because who's heard of a 25 year old losing their hair? I just thought, you know, it's a rough patch. I'm going through some stressful, like a stressful situation at the moment, so it'll probably pass. But it never really sort of grew back. My hair never really went back to the way it was and I used to have quite a bit of flow and like it kind of flopped just right and then it just never did that again I think I just got better at ignoring the shedding and it just kind of got progressively worse and I just kept saying you know it'll get better it'll get better and then yeah fast forward a few years uh, I was lying in my partner's lap as we're watching tv And he just kind of said very kindly, um, he just said, you know, maybe you should go see someone about your hair. And of course, I ran straight to the bathroom, got the mirrors out. And, you know, the back of my head, I could see my crowning scalp. Wow. Which was quite harrowing. Mm. As a 28-year-old, you know, you're supposed to be feeling your best self. You're supposed to be feeling, Mm. you know, fine as hell. And I was feeling more like George Costanza. (laughs) Um, So... (laughs) We love a Seinfeld reference on this show. (laughs) Oh, good. Karen, just to be fair, though, I've had a crush on George Costanza my whole life, which Ah! I don't know. I don't know if I've told the audience this, but I think he's kind of sexy. So (laughs) He's definitely my favorite. If that's any consolation, I'm sure it's it's not. (laughs) I love that. Um, Yes, I and then, you know, I went to see a doctor about it and I was diagnosed with female pattern baldness, which... No one really associates that with women. It's Mm. always very associated with men. And at that time, I felt extremely lonely because there was no one, there was no famous cricketer on TV, you know, talking about like a woman cricketer talking about her hair loss. You know, it was Shane Warren and there was, there were a lot Mm. of ads for, you know, caffeine shampoo for men. There was nothing like, you know, talking about hair loss in women. And, you know, it's a very lonely thing to go through. You think that you're completely by yourself. But um, 
the influx of messages that I got from people reading the article, it just shows how many women actually go through this. Um, mm. And it's just not talked about. Totally. Yeah. I, th- I think it is one of those things that just goes unspoken about, like other women's health issues, like endometriosis, you know, you might have mm. a really close friend that experiences this kind of health condition and you know nothing about it. So I imagine that would have been quite an isolating time for you. But what were the steps that you took? So you went and saw your GP and then what were the steps from there that you took to, you're now on a a treatment plan, I suppose we could say. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the next steps that you took once you saw your GP? Yeah, so I um, I did a bit of research myself to try and find a clinic that, uh, you know, is specialized in hair loss. So I first went to my GP and I asked for a referral and I said, you know, I'm, I'm losing a bit of hair um, and I'd like to see a specialist. And, and that in itself was a bit scary because I went in there and I said that and the guy just said, oh, it's just it's stress or, you know, it was kind of dismissed. And I was like, it's, it's not, it's something bigger. Mm. So you kind of have to push for a referral um, in my experience. And then I asked for a specific referral to Sinclair Dermatology, which is um, here in Melbourne. And I went to my first session and they did basically a whole body exam. They check your blood levels, they check your iron levels, they check, you know, everything. They do a full examination to really see what the cause of the hair loss is. And from that, it was determined by the specialist that um, because of my family history, that it is a genetic condition, but it was just brought on by environmental factors like, mm-hmm. you know, stress or iron levels or such, but it wasn't something that was going to go away by itself. And my hair follicles had already started to sort of become dormant. So it was lucky that I went in when I did. Um, And then they put me on a medicinal plan. They basically compound three different ingredients. So it's minoxidil, spirulactone. I'm going to butcher these names. (laughs) Minoxidil, spirulactone, and uh, bicalutamide are the three main ingredients, uh, which basically work together to, one, stop the hair shedding, and two, basically stimulate your hair follicles so that that your hair grows in in very the simplest terms. I'm not a doctor, but that's, yeah, that was basically what the meds do. And in terms of the products, because your hair looks very it's full. It's very full and luscious right, right now. Right now. I would argue that your hair looks thicker than mine a oh, lot of the time. <laughs> Can you tell us some of the products that you use? So for anyone that experiences fine or thinning hair, what are your go-to products for volume or concealing any um, thinning areas? Oh, God, yeah. So I, um, I mean, firstly, skip hair extensions, skip anything that clips Mm -hmm. in. That is like my number one tip. It's so tempting to put in a a clip-in ponytail, but it just, it's not worth it, guys, for sure. And secondly, I use a wide tooth comb. Because if I use anything thin or anything that's kind of, um, if I use a comb that's got too many bristles too tight together, it just kind of pulls on my hair and Mm -hmm. it increases my hair shedding. So wide tooth comb is really key. Dry shampoo is like a godsend because when you have really thin hair, especially at the top, if you have a greasy hair day, you can't just put it up in a cute bun. You you, you kind of look like Gollum if you do that. So <laughs> <laughs> you have to have a really good dry shampoo for like the second day sort of thing. And I use a lot of Kerastas. So Kerastas 8-hour 
magic night serum is amazing it makes my hair feel super soft at the oh, end you know how i feel about that serum that is it magic. is so heavenly so it's just little things like that that you can like fake it till you make it until your hair starts to grow back if you do go on a medicinal plan which you know if you are suffering from from hair shedding i do recommend that you go see a specialist to talk about it because everyone's different mm -hmm. but those are sort of the products that i use to conceal <laughs> my lack of hair and i'm also on the hunt for a really good scalp spf so if any, anyone has any suggestions oh. on scalp spf i am all ears someone needs to create an aerosol spf that you Seriously. can spray through your roots yeah because that's actually I, a really good idea like a dry yeah. shampoo <laughs> yeah yeah but it has SPF yeah, in it. Yeah, let's paint that now. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Nobody else steal this idea. <laughs> I don't know if you kind of already answered this, but, like, I guess from, like, a confidence perspective, like, how, I guess, did it affect you and your confidence when you kind of first found out about it? Oh, I mean, it was shattering. I think as a woman, we we attach a lot of our self-worth to how we sort of look, mm. um, which is something you have to cognitively unlearn. But when I first started to like see what was happening, it was almost like it attacked my sense of self-worth and my womanhood. Mm. Um, because, you know, it's it, it might just be hair, but hair means so much to us. Um, mm. You know, all the Pantene commercials on TV, everything's about having luscious big hair. And when you feel more like George Costanza than you do a beautiful woman, I mean, it, it, it definitely just attacks your confidence. And then adding on to that, the fact that no one else was go seemed to be going through what I was going through. Everyone else had luscious hair and I was battling scalp sunburn. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can imagine that it, it really does um, attack your confidence. So if anyone is going through this at the moment, absolutely go see a specialist and don't be afraid to talk about it. I think it's really important that um, we talk about mm -hmm. it more just because it, it, it does happen to a lot of women, the majority of women go through this at some point in their life. For some, it's it's a temporary thing. And for others, it's, you know, a long-term genetic thing. But we do need to normalize it because it, it does happen to women just as much as it happens to men. Well, I think that all the feedback that mm -hmm. you got, you, you were quite surprised about how many women actually were going through it like silently. Yeah, absolutely. It was incredible. Um, and I don't have, you know, a large following. So the amount of DMs that I got was was quite mm. amazing to me. Um, and the amount of people who said that they were experiencing the same thing and they didn't know what next steps to take or what, you know, side effects were or, you know, that sort of stuff. It was um, it was it was nice to be able to sort of talk to them and have a conversation with someone who is in the same boat. I feel like we need to open up a support group so that any mm. listeners that are experiencing this can chat to you in person. So oh, yeah. if you don't mind people DMing <laughs> no. you, we can also tell them what your name is in the we can put like a link to your Instagram or something in the episode notes so that if anyone's feeling really alone. Yeah, no, absolutely. Car and I have a support network now of women that wear Aldi panty liners every day. Yeah. Yes. And they, we we message all the time. I actually got one today. So Instagram's a, a wonderful place to connect with like-minded women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So if you want to reach out to Karen, feel free. But we do recommend going to see a specialist if you are experiencing ongoing hair loss. It is really important to um, speak to an expert about it and get their opinion on the next steps that you can take to get to the bottom of it. So thank you for sharing your story with us, 
Car, and we really appreciate the vulnerability and and sharing that with such a big audience is probably a very daunting thing to do, especially, um, you know, how you've spoken about your confidence and all of that stuff. So we really appreciate you coming on to talk about it. No, of course, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you to the universe for bringing Karen into my life. <laughs> So as our audience know, we love to get every expert on this show. And I think I've hunted down nearly every dermatologist in Australia at this point. Um, And the next one on our list is Dr. Hope Din from Hope Dermatology in Melbourne. Now, I've actually been to Hope Dermatology. So this is a bit of a first where I've actually come to see you. Welcome to the show, Hope. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited about doing a podcast with you, Joanna. Yes, we're excited to have you. So we've had quite a few requests to do an episode on this particular topic which is eczema. So can we start off by you explaining exactly what eczema is and what characterises it? Well, eczema is a very common chronic itchy skin condition that can really occur on any bit of the body. Uh, There's different types of eczema, as you know, you know, the childhood eczema versus adult eczema. And then with uh, COVID, we've seen a lot of people with, you know, irritation eczema from their hands. Um, So there's a different range. It can occur across any age. And there's different factors that can perpetuate and and precipitate it. And look, some people have just small patches of eczema, whereas some people have their whole body involved. So it does depend on the age group, the the subtype of eczema, and also the um, underlying risk factors in terms of, you know, people's occupation, what they do with their time, their hobbies, and uh, what skincare they, they use. So mm-hmm. I've heard eczema is linked to asthma. Is that true? Uh, yes, there can be a link because we sort of say that eczema, asthma and hay fever, I tell my patients that they run in the same family. So if you have one of those three in yourself or your family members, then you're more likely to get to get eczema tendency, whether it's as a child or, or later in life. Sensitive skin is one of those things that can run together as well as hives um, with this family as well. So if you're the type of person that you flip between skincare because, you know, you have issues with different skin cares and, you, and your skin's very sensitive, or if you have hives and welts on the body, then that can that can also run together too. My brother has asthma. And so I, I find that link really interesting. So my dad gets quite bad hay fever. My brother gets asthma. And I actually had a bit of eczema on my chin as a child. And it's something that I grew out of. Is that common to grow out of childhood eczema? Do a lot of kids experience that on the face or body and then they just get over it as they become an adult? Yeah, quite a big proportion actually. It's just got to do with the immune system maturing up. Okay. Yeah, a lot of our children, our paediatric patients, they may be quite severe with eczema when they're younger, but as they're as they're more exposed to the environment um, and then you know their immune system matures, then a lot of a lot of the kids will grow out of their eczema. It's more about trying to get them into a good routine in terms of you know moisturizer, you know simple remedies for their eczema when they're younger to try and tie them over until perhaps adolescence and early adulthood. Mm-hmm. And can it develop later in life as well? Like, can you go your whole life without ever experiencing eczema and then suddenly it pops up and you're having to deal with it? Yeah, well, there's different types of eczema. So the one that's usually related to the asthma and hay fever is usually what we call atopic eczema. So that's the childhood eczema, genetic eczema, whereas there's other types of eczema that can also come into play perhaps later in life. And these are things like irritant contact um, eczema. This is the type of eczema where you're going to get the eczema 
you know, because of the type of things that you're doing. So, for, for example, if you're washing your hands heaps because of your job or if you're in touch with chemicals um, all day long um, and the heat and sweat of things, then anyone who has that amount of contact will get that type of eczema. And then later in life, we can also get what we call um, allergic contact dermatitis or allergic contact eczema. So that's where you might suddenly develop an allergy to say hair dye or a chemical in your skincare products. Or recently we've been seeing in COVID times, a lot of people having allergies to detergents um, that they're using to clean and, and wash with and wipe down their benches because a lot of people are at home. So they're doing much more cleaning. So yes, as an adult, it's not uncommon for you to perhaps have nothing wrong with your skin. And then later in life with change of skincare, change of maybe job routine, um, then it pops up. As we get a bit older, you know, medications in terms of our general health, um, it can change. And there are heaps of medications out there that can change the way our skin barrier functions. And, you know, you can make your skin naturally a bit drier. And as our skin, as we get a little bit older, our skin is, is not very good at holding onto moisture anymore. So that's mm -hmm. why as we get a bit older, our skincare changes, our needs change, and, and we do need to, to adjust that a bit. And in terms of eczema, why is it such a sort of tricky condition to manage? And, and what are the best treatment options available for people that are suffering from it at the moment? It's easier to manage because the principles are there, but it's at the same time tricky to manage because every patient is different, right? And so when we manage eczema, it's not about sort of giving a script and topical steroid or antibiotics or whatever it is, and then sending people on their way. So often it's a quite a long consult because we actually have to get into the whole routine. Um, we usually ask what do you do in the daytime to nighttime, you know, in terms of makeup and washes and, and moisturizers and brands as well. And even to the point of, yeah, what, what do you do for, for washing your clothes? So that's the hard thing, I guess, the more challenging thing about eczema and that the consult is quite long. And depending on if it's a, a kid also, you, you just can't ask about the kid's routine. It's about, you know, what they're eating, you know, what the parents are doing with the washing and all those other activities. So it's actually pretty much you need to go 24-7 into the patient's lives and just kind of investigate what they're actually doing the whole day. Um, so that's what makes it challenging. And also then sort of teasing out is this just genetic eczema, which is related to the hay fever and the, and the asthma, or is there a component of allergy or is there a component of irritation from, from things like over excessive hand washing? So once you've teased all that out, then it's, it's coming up with a, with a plan. Uh, there's no one best fit, unfortunately. I think that would be beautiful if we could, because it'd save us a lot of time and angst, but it's just about nutting out the small things. Um, and I usually sort of talk about things like the washing um, in the shower even, you know, general things that we should all be doing is, you know, keeping the, the shower a bit lukewarm so you're not too hot. It's very tempting with eczema when you do have a flare to, to really have a hot shower because it feels good, right? But it's only a temporary fix. And we tend to find that as soon as the patients get out of the shower, they're already drier than when they went in because of the heat. So it's best to keep the showers lukewarm, you know, sensible things like um, body washes rather than bar soaps. We tend to find the bar soaps quite drying. And if you use a body wash, try and keep it um, a low foaming one. So we sort of say that bubbles are bad. 
um, B for B um, just to keep it kind of simple for the kids. And then it's just about general things. If you have a flare of your eczema, using appropriate topical steroids or non-steroid creams and using the right strength for your eczema severity. And then it's about good moisturizer. So we usually say with moisturizer, it's about the quality and the frequency of application. So just making sure that it's a, a good quality one that when you rub into your skin, it is uh, quite a thick one and doesn't sort of um, rub in too quickly because then it's 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 too thin for your skin. You know, nowadays with new newer moisturisers, they do contain this ingredient called ceramides. And in a lot of patients with atopic eczema and sensitive skin, ceramides uh, are lacking in the skin barrier. And so with these newer moisturisers that contain ceramides, they're, they're meant to be a little bit more helpful. So I have found them helpful for some of my more more difficult to manage patients. So that's mm-hmm. just the general lowdown in terms of creams and washes. But obviously in, in the clinic here, you know, as dermatologists, we see a lot of the more severe cohort who have already done all the creams, already done all the, you know, the moisturizers and they're looking for the next level. And so we we have UVB, which is the phototherapy UV cabinet that does help with eczema too. The way it helps is it settles down the immune response um, in the skin. And patients do tend to find that, that that's helpful in winter. And then the next step beyond that is, is tablets and injections. So these are typically suppressing the immune system and modulating it a little bit. It's, it takes time to, to go through an eczema patient and to really manage them because every patient is different. Yeah, totally. And earlier you mentioned diet. I recall when we spoke to um, Carla Oates from The Beauty Chef, she actually developed their glow powder for her daughter who had eczema. And that's a probiotic rich supplement. And so I wondered if probiotics play a big part in eczema and, and how much that impacts the dietary influences. Well, probiotics are good because it's basically helping with the immune system and regulating it. With some of our eczema patients, especially if they keep on getting infective flares and they keep on having to have, you know, courses of antibiotics every few weeks or so because their eczema is out of control with infection, then yes, probiotics are great in that situation. In terms of other dietary things, we know that with eczema, we want to decrease the inflammation. So foods that are highly going to a high chance of increasing inflammation are sugary foods. And we know that's similar with a condition called psoriasis. So we advocate for both eczema and psoriasis. You know, if you can, try and cut out the sugar, the processed foods, and just make simple substitutions. So things like brown bread instead of white bread, just to keep the sugar levels even throughout the day. It may help, it may not, but at the same time, it's just a lifestyle thing that you can do for general health as a long-term thing. So it's not a bad idea to start those habits early. And then there are theories, you know, could things like gluten, could things like milk and eggs be flaring things up? We know with children, especially our young youngest pediatric patients with eczema, um, some of them do have food allergies. And could this be contributing to their eczema? Yes. And so um, if we are suspecting food allergy in younger patients, um, we may send them off for for allergy testing and uh, for an exclusion diet. In in terms of gluten, that's a a, a common common question. I sort of say to patients, in terms of the gluten um, or celiac disease rash that happens, um, there's a specific rash that happens in, in people with celiac disease that kind of mimics eczema. So some people might mistake it as eczema. Only once we've diagnosed that you've confirmed to be celiac disease or gluten intolerant, then we would say, well, don't have gluten. But if you just go, 
to try the gluten-free diet, I think the most it will do is, you know, it can help, but at the same time, it can stress you out because then it narrows your food choices. And as we know, stress is also a trigger of eczema. So just be sensible with your food choices, low GI diet for your overall health, low sugar for reducing inflammation, probiotics, all these are good things. Obviously, fluid hydration um, is really important because with eczema, you can see the red patches on people's skin and that's all inflammation. And the theory is that all the blood is churning through those red plaques and it's quite hot. So you're losing quite a lot of fluid through your skin. So you have to top it up with, with fluid too. So water is very important too. So do you recommend any natural remedies for eczema? Uh, natural remedies in terms of creams, um, you know, there are some natural type creams out there. The simple thing would be, um, you know, the good old oat soak. You know, that's a nice one. That's an It's an oldie but a goodie. And, it, you know, we still use it these days. So literally just get... Uncle Toby's oats and with a bit of lukewarm water and you know how it gets that milky whiteness to it and then just Mm -hmm. literally just a um you know a flannel cloth and wring it out so it's not sopping wet and then put it on the skin to calm it down so um it's the actual ingredient in in the water that's quite milky it's quite soothing and it's also the actual wet dressing that can can help I mean, in clinic, we do a modified wet dressing that's a bit more um, high-tech rather than oats, um, but we use a bath oil, and that's pretty almost as natural as you can get also. So we do use that. You wouldn't recommend that people are scooping out an avocado and, like, rubbing it on their skin or anything like that? Well, you could do that. I guess so. Why not? I mean, it's a bit expensive, isn't it? You won't be able to to afford a a house anymore, I think, (laughs) isn't it? Isn't that what they're saying? Um, Yeah, I'd rather have mine on toast. It's probably better for you to ingest the avocado, really, for its oils, but a lot of people, when they've really got, it's really when they've only got mild eczema, that's when you want to bring out, you know, the natural oils, um, all those sort of avocado oils, or honestly, just even olive oil. Once you get a little bit into the moderate eczema, you kind of don't want to take your chances because it can explode out mm-hmm. of control, really. We've had a lot of people who in lockdown as well, you know, you don't underestimate the amount of effect, I guess, stress and being a bit isolated indoors has, yep. has made on people. So UV light is also the other natural thing. I mean, we obviously use UV phototherapy with a high-tech booth machine in our clinics as dermatologists, but natural UV light is, is good. And we definitely know that with eczema, there's this cyclical um, change that happens with the seasons. So usually in summer, a lot of people with eczema improve, and then in winter, it gets worse. And there's a few reasons for that. You know, in summer, we're typically in a bit more relaxed um, mode, pretty much after Christmas. Before Christmas, we're stressed to the hilt. But then after Christmas, we're relaxed. We're getting outside because we're going on those holidays. And then we're getting the natural UV, UV exposure, late afternoon sun for about half an hour. And that's a natural remedy that can, can be done. Well, if you do suspect that you have eczema or you've got a child that has eczema and you want to get it sorted out, you can go and see Dr. Hope Din at Hope Dermatology in Melbourne. Thank you so much for joining us today to chat all things eczema. You're welcome. I'll see you later. So Hannah, I was putting my product I didn't know I needed in our notes Mm. and I noticed a product that I have not heard of and I need you to tell me what it is because it sounds really interesting, but I've literally never seen this product in my life. So the one that I put in there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Skin Virtue, I have been incredibly pleasantly surprised by this serum. So it is the Skin Virtue Future Advanced Line Filler and actually it's 
for a serum that is so good, I actually think it's fairly, I'm not going to say affordable, but I'm going to say it's- How it's, much is it? It's $80. That's all right. It's a cosmeceutical. Yes, it is a cosmeceutical. And so I actually thought for a cosmeceutical, the price point was pretty good. And actually, yeah. I thought for the kind of effect that it gives you, it's incredible. And I actually thought it's quite technologically fancy. So I'm going to read this out. So it's formulated with an advanced, patented, biotechnological, dehydrated, hygroscopic hyaluronic acid with targeted filling technology. What the f- I was making an assumption that it was a peptide serum. No. But is it a hydrating serum? It's actually kind of, it's deeply hydrating. So my skin's been, um, I've been getting a lot of compliments on my, and I haven't been like overdoing the skincare in Byram. Obviously I'm like not really using like retinols or acids. And I've been using, Mm -hmm. basically only been using this serum and a vitamin C in the morning and a moisturizer. And my skin is looking I don't want to pump myself up right now, but my skin is looking really good. <laughs> but I look great. I look great. Um, <laughs> so I assume it's multi-molecular weights of hyaluronic acid if it's deeply hydrating. So it's hydrating like the lower layers of the skin and the upper layers of the skin. Look, I don't know the exact weight of the hyaluronic acid. Okay. Maybe you know what this is. It's got hyaluronic acid filling spheres and it's got sodium hyaluronolala, which is hyaluronic acid. Okay, yes, all right. So it's got multiple hyaluronic acids listed in there. Yes. Okay, yeah, so it's a multi-molecular. Shea butter, jojoba oil, vitamin Mm -hmm. E, and it does have vitamin A, but it must not be like a really strong form of vitamin A. might be an ester form. Yeah, because it's suitable for AMPM. Yeah, right. Okay. And what it does, it really does plump up the skin. I'm like, I'm using it morning and night and I have noticed like a, a really noticeable difference in like the plumpness and like level of hydration in my skin. What's the texture like? It's actually a cream texture, like a white cream. Ah, mm. so maybe a little bit like the ASAP DNA. Yes. It's like a cream. It's a serum, but it's cream. That's exactly what it is. Right. Interesting. Anyway, it's probably my favorite serum of like, what was my other favorite serum of 2020? I've totally forgotten now. Uh, The Alpha H1. Yep. So this is like equal first with my favorite serum of 2020. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Skin Virtue, can you please send me one? I need to know what the hype is about, please. I've never heard of this. I'm actually (laughs) going to repurchase it because I've almost finished it. Really? Yeah. I've got to try this. Yeah, it's really good. Let me know what you think. Okay. So that's mine. What about you? So I am in a little bit of a um, situation with mine Mm. because a few months ago I spoke about another hot brush, which I was quite impressed with. It was the Hot Tools one, which is, it's quite bulky and it's good for like drying your hair and getting a straight finish. But I was trying to create this like almost a Rachel from Friends vibe with my hair like almost tucked under. I don't know if that makes any sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know how her hair was really layered and it kind of like flicked under? Yeah. So I was like trying to create a similar vibe to that. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't do that with the Hot Tools one. And so I still really think it's a good product, but I – 
got the silver bullet Genesis hot airbrush 38 millimeter in our staff raffle. So a um, bit of behind the scenes of Adore Beauty. Every year at Christmas time, there's a staff raffle and every single person that works in the business gets like wins a product or two or whatever it is. It's, it's like they're packaged together. Anyway, so this is what I got as my raffle gift. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to compare this and see what it's like. And I think I like it better. Oh. And now I don't know what to do because I already said I really love the other one. But now I'm like, oh, I think I like this one more and it's cheaper. And now I'm like, oh, my God, what do I do? <laughs> How much is this one? So this one's 99 and the Hot Tools one is 149 So it's not, it's not super expensive, the Hot Tools one. And that's kind of why I recommended it because there are ones on the market that are way more expensive. And I do think the Hot Tools one is great if you're wanting to create a really straight, sleek style. Like it is good for that. And it does dry your hair really well from quite wet. Whereas I don't think the Silver Bullet one would dry. I had to kind of dry my hair probably 60 to 70% off. And then I could go in with the Silver Bullet. Otherwise, because it's a smaller barrel, your hair just gets tangled in it. So if you find that your hair tangles really easily, it's probably not the best. I do get really knotty hair, but I find if I dry it off to 60 to 70%, it goes through okay. But I was able to get that like Rachel vibe and I really just love the finish of it. And now I'm a bit obsessed with it and I'm drying in my R&Co Spiritualized Dry Shampoo with it Mm. because it gives like volume and body at the top of your hair. Once you've put that dry shampoo in, it gives you that like body back that you get when you freshly wash your hair. So now I'm in a real pickle and I'm like, I don't know which one I like better. I can't decide. They've both got benefits. Why don't you give me the one that you're not going to use? Because I don't think anyone All needs. Right. You don't, I don't think you need two <laughs> I don't need hot two. airbrushes. I don't need two. Um, but anyway, that's my product and I needed for today. So if you bought the Hot Tools one, I still really like it. So you haven't wasted your money. But I do really like a Silver Bullet one as well. So, yeah. And I have the 38 millimeter, just FYI. Well, I think that wraps us up for another, well, our first episode back. Yes. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. 2021. Here we go. So I know next week we're talking about New Year's resolutions and I I wanted to prepare a little bit. I just needed a a little while to decide what my New Year's resolution was going to be. But now that I've heard my horoscope, I think I know what it's going to be. Are we? Okay. So I wasn't sure. Are they, are these beauty New Year's resolutions or just life? No, they're just life Just life. Okay, good. Or they can be beauty related. Yeah. But I thought more life ones. I don't really have any beauty ones. Well, this isn't really a beauty podcast anymore, so... Don't tell Adore Beauty that. <laughs> I swear, we talk like we do like a little bit of beauty and then like we do like... <laughs> a little bit. It's mostly life. It's mostly like life yeah. stuff. It's mostly yeah. Hannah's dating updates. <laughs> I reckon it's like 20% poo, 20% dating. <laughs> what, what would we do? 10% manifestation and spirituality and then 50% yeah. <laughs> and then 50% on beauty. That, I think that's the breakdown. By the way, if you guys want me to send you any manifestation TikToks, because that's all that's coming up on my For You page. So if you want the manifestation TikToks. Can you TikToks send me some, please? And like how to, yeah, I'll send them to you now. Yeah, they're really good. And they like teach you all these manifestation techniques, just FYI. Amazing. As you foray into 2021. So just hit me up. Anyway, yeah, we'll see you all next week for our news resolutions. And we'd love to hear yours if you yes. have any um, groundbreaking ones. So shoot us a DM. Send them through and we'll read them out. Yeah. I need some inspo. Excellent. Okay. Bye. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Thank you.